0: Hello, beneficiaries of the First Amendment. Welcome to The Write-Up, a podcast brought to you by the editors of the University Press. My name is Olivia Malik.
1: I am the editor-in-chief of the University Press. My name is Claire Robertson. I am the managing editor of the University Press.
2: And I am Kate Smith, and I am the UP sports editor.
1: All right, guys. So just for a little
0: introduction here, how do we get our starts in journalism, huh?
1: Well, I am... A super senior. So this is my fifth year of college and journalism is my third degree plan (laughs) that I've chosen. So it (laughs) took a little while to figure it out but um, I just felt like a strong call I feel like to the cause.
0: Third time's a charm.
1: Yeah that's what I think I figured out finally. So I didn't really have any kind of experience at all until I started writing for the University Press and I need a lot of one-on-one attention and guidance and coaching um, but I feel like I've been really successful in my time here and I've had a lot of opportunities that I probably wouldn't have been afforded at a larger university so I'm happy to have had these opportunities at Lamar.
2: Yeah um, so like, like Claire I am a super senior and I got my start my second semester here back in 2016 back in the og days of the university press i guess
0: at the setzer center yeah
2: the setzer center and old setzer center yes and i remember going up there and of course you know mr stanley in the communications department he was given a tour and i go up there and i see this uh big burly man (laughs) which is uh olivia's dad Stefan malik malik and uh I thought it was Andy and Stephen. Just comes up, and he goes, "So you like to write, huh?" And I'm like, "He doesn't have a British accent because I was promised <laughs> a British accent." So I had to wait till Monday. But I went out there Monday, and I remember Andy. He goes, "You like to write, <laughs> really? All right, let's go." Let's go.
0: That is a not
2: inaccurate. It's not. It's not. Accent, but, but I do anyways. And uh, I, if Andy my- was
1: here, he'd go. And where are you supposed to be from again?
2: Um. Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, um, but the but uh, I got started with um, my first story was a basketball story for uh, the men's basketball team. They played um, Abilene Christian um, for the second time the season, and uh, I, I mean, what's really really just different these days with like the newer people is like we give them red talks.
1: What's a red talk?
2: It's how uh, h- how would you describe a red talk? Uh, I mean.
1: I would describe a red talk as a lecture given by a student or faculty member on campus that we advertise as like part of enrichment i guess like it's not required but it's put on by the university
2: yeah so i started with a hard story
1: (laughs) yeah a red talk is a a really simple story to cover
2: so um, it's just
1: a lecture i want to say that one of the first stories
0: That I officially wrote for the University Press was also a sports story. I wanna say it was a soccer story.
2: Yeah. So that means we're good at what we do,
1: right? The first story I wrote for the University Press I think was it was like a Red Talk, but it wasn't. It was a it was a lecture given on campus about like personal finance or whatever. Yeah. See. And and and, I remember that I made the graphic and Yeah, I remember that. I went on the front page. Wow. I remember that too. I remember being. Boom. I remember being happy that she made her own graphic because it helped me out because I didn't have to make it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I so. didn't know what I was doing at all, but I told Andy I can make a graphic, and he let me. And I was like, oh, I've got to figure out how to make a graphic.
2: <laughs> well, we already, me and Claire both know how much experience Olivia's got with uh, journalism. So why don't you tell oh, yeah, us Olivia. your illustrious career with journalism?
0: I am just a junior, but. <laughs> I, when I entered college, I started with four years of journalism experience under my belt. Um, I was lucky enough to have a journalism program at the high school I went to, and I was lucky enough to have a father who um, has a journalism background, so him being involved in that industry really kind of uh, persuaded me to go, Into journalism although he himself did not want me to do that because he wanted me to make money but after writing and interviewing people uh, I really found that journalism was where I wanted to to be and spend my time I used to be a pretty like shy person and I hated talking to people but through journalism like having to go out and interview people it pushed me out of my shell and I'm able to talk to people now whereas like you know just a few years ago i probably would have had a panic attack and not been able to
1: do anything like that jeez and i think your experience like obviously comes through in your writing compared to my writing at least yeah i would hope so yeah i mean i uh, think it's a pretty obvious difference
0: you know i'm very i'm very fortunate to have the experience that i do and i'm very glad and uh, yeah i'm i'm super super excited every every semester be a part of the university press yeah, and this semester you're
1: the editor. That the I am. editor. That I The am. big head honcho. So can we talk about what's going on with our paper yep. for your first semester at the HUD?
0: Um, so first, first day of class, um, we realized that our budget was being discussed. Our budget as university press was being discussed. And um, we had no input on... What kind of cuts were going to be made, if cuts were going to be made. There was supposedly a meeting about it, but we were not invited to it. And when you
1: say we were not invited, you don't just mean our editorial staff, right? You I mean, mean like our directors of student publication.
0: Right, our yeah. organization as a whole, from right. the advisors down. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of a, a shock on the first day to learn that instead of being able to produce. One paper every week for a semester, which is about—it shakes out the 12 papers a semester. Uh, we would only be able to do six, um, which kind of messed up our production cycle. It affected the way that we assign stories and when we assign them. So it's been a—it's been a, an adjustment for sure. Um, trying to find the bright side in it, and uh, you know, sometimes you just get handed things that you don't necessarily like or agree with, but um, we're going
1: to do what we do best and kick butt. Yeah. And that's like a major reason why we decided to do the podcast. Because putting out a weekly paper is a lot of work. Even when I was not even on staff, just as a writer, there's always something going on. You're probably working on two stories at a time at least to make deadline. Right. But now it's like, oh, we're bi-weekly. So on our off weeks, we want to start recording these podcasts. Because there's news on campus that by the time the next paper gets published, it'll be out of date. There's just too much news to only publish every other week. Or, or topics
2: going on in the world.
1: Right, well. right. right. Yeah. Stuff and that we really
0: couldn't fit into the paper, I guess. Right. Yeah, and we we also have a relatively small staff. We have a lot of contributors who come in and out throughout the semester. Um, but as far as a steady staff that contributes every single week, it's, it's pretty small. So there's only so much that we can... We can do. We work on it every semester for sure, and try and create as much content as possible. But the, we decided that this podcast would be a fun way for us to um, talk about, you know, events that are happening on campus, around around the world, just yeah. news in general, and kind of talking about our 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 perspectives as student journalists about to go into the real world and and uh, be members of the
1: free press. Yeah. Kate, I know you said you had something that you had prepared for the podcast that was sports adjacent.
2: Oh, like the topic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so Sunday, which is NFL like Sunday, man, everybody's got the popcorn, you know, after church kind of thing, you know, because we're in Texas. Um, <laughs> uh, if you so, didn't know. <laughs> so I guess specifically how this news affected me in a way was I am in a fantasy football league with some of my friends, and Drew Brees hurt his hand. He's out mm-hmm. for six weeks. And then we got Ben Roethlisberger, you know, good old Big Ben. Say what you want about him. I see Olivia over there giving me the eye about it. Um, he messes elbow up, so he's gone for the season. So now. Um, Both teams have got to basically figure out what they're going to do as far as on the offensive end. I mean, they're working with two backup quarterbacks, you know, some um, of which people haven't heard of before. Um, I'm hoping that Teddy Bridgewater on the Saints can take over and be able to produce at least some of the workload on that um, end of the ball. But um, that's all for sports is good concerned at least.
0: So as far as like the teams go, even though they are obviously adjusting to these new players, how do you think this is gonna impact do you think that these few weeks that both of these players are out are gonna have a season long impact on these teams?
2: Well, I can use the example of my team, the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts. I mean just probably like a two weeks before even the season started, Andrew Luck, my quarterback for my team, he's like I right, I'm out basically and just said like he's he's done Um, With football Somewhat Because he's just not Enjoying it anymore I mean he's getting hurt And he Messed his shoulder up He's Messed his foot up Right before he Retired And so we had Jacoby Brissett Come in Um, He's got a couple He's got a whole Probably season Long uh, Career with the Colts Before When Andrew Luck was out For the shoulder injury And uh, He's been doing pretty good I mean I'm really prepared, I'm really impressed with my team so far. I mean, we put up a good fight against the Chargers week one, and then week two we beat Tennessee. So we can still prove that Colts still dominate Nashville. Okay, so um, but as far as the other teams go, I mean, I, I, only time will tell. I mean, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who is like the number one wide right receiver on the Steelers, because Antonio Brown with his little thing. Um, you could read my uh, column about that from last week's paper. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, um, and Which then you can
0: find in a kiosk all around campus. Yes, that for I, free. That I've for strategically free. placed for
2: in free. <laughs> for free. Um, and as far as the Saints, I mean, you've got pretty much depth on you know all the wide receiving core. I mean, you've got Michael Thomas. I mean, you've got just a lot, a whole core of just that whole offense. I mean, I think the Saints will do a lot better than Pittsburgh Steelers will. I mean, Steelers got blown out like week one by the Patriots. So, (sighs) and then they barely. I think, God, I feel I feel like a fake fan right now. (laughs) Uh, I think the Steelers lost to the. Seahawks I'm not sure but we'll fact check it in post we, we sure will um but like I said as far as those teams go I mean that's it's probably going to be happening I mean as far as fantasy wise I mean I'm upset I have Drew Brees in one of my um uh lineups and so I have to use Tom Brady unfortunately mm. uh, and then my friend both my friends and both their different leagues they got Drew Brees and so they've got to um they've had to sit him out for like at least six weeks but he should be coming back hopefully
0: yeah they they lost
2: they lost. It was okay. twenty-eight to twenty-six. Yep. So, like I said, it was a close game, and this shouldn't happen. But I think Ben Roethlisberger is done. Honestly, I mean, he's been in the league so long. He's, he's
0: pretty gone. old, isn't he? Uh
2: yeah, he's pretty old. But for a quarterback for a quarterback, and then you know, uh, the, the outside the game things that have happened with him. Right.
0: But, <laughs> well, you know, I'm not I have no idea. I haven't been following football as much as I used to, mostly because I don't have cable, but. Um, I'm always I'm always excited to see who gets to the Super Bowl, of course, and I will watch that when that time comes around. Of course, you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope it's not the Patriots, but
2: God, it's the way it's looking. I think it's going to be the Patriots. I mean, unless how,
0: how many games have been played in the NFL so far? Like in in the actual season, how many games have it, has it been?
2: Like so far, how many games? have been, It's been it's week, it's week three coming up now, so. These teams have got at least two two wins or at least a win and a loss under their belt. Or maybe just one win. Or just one loss. I mean, I'm not sure. But so there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time. I mean, the Patriots are 2-0. and They blew out <laughs> the Steelers and they blew out the Dolphins. Speaking of the Dolphins, oh, man. Minka Fitzpatrick on the Steelers now. It's a good move, I think. That happened yesterday. Just people were curious about that. Great. Well, that's,
0: <laughs> that's been the sports update from Cade oh yeah I mean- <laughs> so something interesting also um, well not interesting but sad that happened today actually uh, Cokie Roberts one yeah. of the uh, big uh, influencers in NPR National Public Radio um, and one of the earliest really su- not successful but prominent female broadcast journalist died um, she was 75 from complications of breast cancer Um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it takes someone to die to really kind of admire their impact on the industry. Um, you know, I think that, uh, in my experience, I've always been in a female-dominated newsroom, but that's not always the case. And, um, I've had people come into the newsroom both when I was in, both in college and in high school, um people who come into the newsroom who are not a part of it and just assume that a male is the editor when (coughs) it might, when it's actually been me and kind of brush me aside. So I think that's, um, you know, it's a struggle that I admire that she was able to overcome. Yeah. Thank you.
2: I mean... I guess to go along with that, I mean, I really didn't understand, like, the impact that Anthony Bourdain had on, like, you know, travel mm-hmm. and food and things like that till he committed suicide two, two, a year ago or a year ago. So, I mean, I, I understand that from <coughs> a different perspective, I guess.
0: Right.
1: Anything happened in the week for you, Claire? Uh, News-wise? Um, nothing recently, but I, I was working on this story that was broadcast on our TV station that we have on campus. LUTV. I that, was really excited about. Yeah, LUTV. I got to do an interview with a student leader on campus about this video that he independently produced. He like wrote the script, um, cast his friends, got it produced, put it on social media, and it's received a lot of attention like from other local news stations. And um, it was about black organizations on campus and like, featuring their leaders, and it was like, supposed to be a message of welcoming new students to the new semester and encouraging students to be involved on campus to show that like, not just do we have a really diverse campus, but these students are excelling, they have positions, they're on the Dean's list. Um, So, it's more newsworthy in the light that our campus had a recent scandal involving a racial slur right before school started on social media. Mm-hmm. One of our students um, had an old tweet that was aired out involving a racial slur, and her apology was non-existent. It was more of an excuse that was made. Mm-hmm. So it's it's started this whole campus-wide conversation about diversity, inclusion, what kind of attitudes we as students are going to allow and say are acceptable And, uh, so yeah, I just had a really lovely interview with him and I'm going to be writing about him as well.
2: I mean, I think it's a very, really good thing. I mean, in my opinion, unless you're involved with people who like know them, those organizations, such as my, one of my friends who graduated this summer, um, she knows Michael. She knows probably a good seventy-five percent of all those organizations. Yeah, Michael Mitchell
1: is the name of who I interviewed.
2: Um... So, like I said, she knows of them. And so that's how I knew about these organizations. Otherwise, if you don't know people, I guess, in a sense, with this uh, university at least, you don't know about these organizations. Yeah,
1: and that was a big part of his mission. He's saying like he feels like there was a need for more representation on campus for these black organizations. And even organizations that he featured in his video. Like, for example, he founded a Christian ministry on campus that he is the president of. And it's not... A black ministry like Uh per se but it happens to have a high population of black students Hmm. so he's saying like you know even the things that they're a part of aren't really getting equally represented on campus by their perspective at least so that's why he took it upon himself you know he funded this he directed it he produced it he put it on social media to like get their voices out there and what what they've been able to accomplish on campus right so that you don't have to find it by like word of mouth Right. So it'll be as accessible as other organizations on campus are. It was a really good video, too. Yeah, it was pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend loved it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's really empowering and it makes me happy that, you know, our campus is very diverse. You know, Instead of just seeing one type of person, you see, you know, different types of people. I mean, you have people from Africa, you have people from the Middle East, you have people from Southeast Asia, England. I mean, Europe, I mean, our whole soccer team, seek the sports, I mean, yeah. they're...
1: Sports are really diverse.
2: Yeah, and here especially. So, I mean, I'm so glad that, like, our university is diverse and we're not mm-hmm. just having one type of person.
0: I think it's really important to, um, for, for anyone to be exposed to those diverse populations as well, because you learn so much from people who come from different walks of life from you, not only people who are from different countries but people who live different lives than you, Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's a really um, powerful thing and it's really important that students on campus are aware of
1: it. Yeah I think a university is one of like the flu- excuse me, I think university is one of the few places where you can expect people from so many different walks of life to come together for a singular purpose of you know attaining an education right. before you go out into the workforce. Right. Especially assuming other people maybe went to public school, so they were going to school with their community, and now they're here, where they can find all kinds of different people. Right. It makes the world a better place. I yeah. would go so far Absolutely. as to totally. make that statement. Like, Absolutely. diversity makes us all better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you never expose yourself to other people, you can never empathize with what they're going through. You can never... Well, first of all, there's just so many things that different cultures will teach you Right. that... Are important lessons you may never have thought That right. you even needed to learn
2: Yeah, I mean I, I, I am a, I'm a complete example of that I mean, I grew up in a small town You know grew, Graduated with 32 people in my class Majority white I mean, I didn't really experience Different types of cultures And different types of ideas and values uh-huh. So I was kind of I wouldn't say like Closed off from things And just hard-headed And just just all about myself But as soon as I found out about Lamar, I'm like, okay, maybe I should just go far away from where, you know, I'm living right now and just experience something else. And I got here and there's so many, like, there's so many different people, types of people here. I mean, I learned more about the black community and the LGBT community from coming here. And that's just from being friends with people and just meeting people and going out and trying new things and just being open about things. And I think that's like literally the best thing that you can do for as a person, yeah. especially someone in these times. They're very, very like just kind of awful, honestly, mm-hmm. in some aspects.
0: Right. I mean, even like I grew up in this area my entire life and I think as a whole, uh, Southeast Texas is pretty diverse. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But... You know, I went to, and actually went to a school that was primarily um, was a minority majority school. Oh, really? But the problem was with representation. Just from the groups that were represented on my high school campus, you wouldn't have thought that you would have thought it was a predominantly white school. So I think that, uh, you know, even with campuses or just any place. That has a lot of diversity. It's the representation that matters. Do people know that these organizations exist? Do people can people see them? Yeah. So that's a really important important yeah. thing that I'm glad is is being broadcast on on the campus. I think it's a really important issue. Not, um, I mean, just just for I think the betterment of everyone. Right. Absolutely. I
1: think diversity benefits. Everyone. It benefits everyone. Totally. Right. Totally. And I think we can be really proud of Southeast Texas. This is also where I grew up, Olivia. And like, not only um, is Southeast Texas Beaumont is pretty evenly split down the middle between black and white populations. We have a we have a smaller but significant Hispanic population, <coughs> but also we have a Vietnamese population, not in Beaumont but in the surrounding communities. Yeah. That is like, I think it's like one of the most populated uh, Vietnamese communities like in the United States we have Mm -hmm. in in Port Arthur and Port Natchez and we can be so proud of that like this community has so much to offer as far as the first thing I think of is food (laughs) yeah like uh, I mean I consider my family to be immigrants um, and like I grew up with my Italian culture and then I live in a place where I can easily access Vietnamese culture and cuisine Yeah. and that's benefited my life greatly
2: yeah
1: greatly oh yeah And not just... um, Not just their
0: food, but like their ideas and... Not even just cultural diversity, you have religious diversity. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I think Beaumont is... um, We have, of course, a lot of Christian-based churches. Oh, so many. There's a lot, you know, we have a synagogue, we have... uh, There's at least two mosques I can think of. There's two mosques that I can think of. There's a Hindu temple, Are you surprised by that? Is that what
2: you said? No, it's... God... It's, it's just the fact that, like, every time I go into town, it's like, there's always police on these, these mosques, and it just kind of makes me upset a little bit. because oh, you think so? Yeah, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard that they, they get a lot of bomb threats or a lot of things like that, right. they, you know?
0: Well, actually, like, at the synagogue here, um, Temple Emanuel, um, I would attend services there sometimes on Fridays, and um, for a while, like, a couple years I guess it was about a. Gosh, it's probably been about two years now. Um, like when I first started going there, they used to have police escorts, like escort us into the building. Oh, wow. Because um, there were threats, you know, against the people would throw like
1: bricks and through the window and. In Beaumont? Mm hmm. At Tipley Manual? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. I don't and, really remember hearing about that. Uh, I mean, I'm not.
0: Especially after. Um, I'm trying to. It was. I can't remember exactly what time, like what time of the year it was, but um, there were a lot of hate crimes against Jewish people going on around the nation. There still are, um, but I want to say one of the big stories I was on at the time was like a a lot of Jewish cemeteries were getting desecrated. Wow. Um, And at that point, there was a lot of like anti-Semitic, like vandalism, things like that going on around around the community. So that was pretty you know, as someone who had never really like experienced that before, it was kind of interesting to um, to view that from
1: the outside in a way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's not a secret that for a place as diverse as Beaumont there is racial tension here. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like it's it's I was talking to my mom about this because my mom works for the public school system, and uh, that's one of her main issues that she faces. And it's like, you know, how how is there so much racial tension when, for so long, Beaumont has been such a diverse place? I mean, going back like 200 years at least. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm shocked, but not surprised to hear that there is anti-Semitic threats in Beaumont. It's a shame. I,
0: you know, I think that um, something a lot of people don't realize, even people who've lived here for, you know, unless you're like an older person who's lived here for decades, um, you know, this compared to the rest of the country and relative to everything else, you know, this area was desegregated very recently. Yes. Um, You know, I had teachers in high school who would tell me that they would ride on separate school buses in the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just something that we have to keep in mind, that those, those, um, all of that, all of those feelings, all of those emotions, all of that pain is still very, like,
1: still very prevalent in in here. Yeah. I just had a professor tell me a story about growing up going to the mall. Uh, not yeah. in Beaumont, but in a in a smaller town nearby. Yeah. Seeing KKK members in their robes outside of the mall. Right. Jeez. And he's, you know, he's growing up as a... He was a small black boy then. Yeah. And that was just part of his world.
2: And, you know, the funny thing is, it's like, you know, we talk about the past, but this stuff is the future, too. I mean, I've seen it in my old, old town. I mean, gosh, they were... The KK, some KKK members were like parked right in front of like this uh, barbecue joint. That's like it's a Dallas-based kind of joint. It's called. Uh, actually, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to. How do say you know it.
1: they were KKK members parked? Well, Did they have
2: like a decal on their? Car? The, yeah, they had a decal. That little, is so the little, wild. The little red to me and white cross kind of that uh, you logo. You do have a
1: decal on your car. Yeah, like, that's and there's so crazy. there was a
2: picture circulating around uh, social media like when I was still around there in my high school and stuff like that, and I saw it and I was like, oh, what the heck? And wow. then they had like the. Um, what do you call it that pal mia stuff you know what i'm talking about the little uh it's like a black flag and it's got like the i don't know what it is like some somebody's face or something like or like a black I, outline you know what i'm talking about it's like
1: i don't think that's a white supremacy thing no
2: i'm just saying they had like that's like the the flag they had that flag yeah. there they had like several other things that's like, like a that. veteran thing yeah so i'm guessing they're like they're like associating themselves with that i let's guess let's look it
1: up right now.
2: Um, okay, we'll have our assistant, Tim, look that up for us. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it's prisoners, prisoners of war missing in action.
1: And I guess that's part of the danger of these white supremacy things, and I feel the same way about people who use like the confederate flag, is you take your twisted ideology yeah. and you mix it in with your patriotism or your nationalism or whatever. Uh-huh. So it's like you're offering this really dark... Uh, Segregating ideas With something that we can all get behind Like supporting prisoners of war and missing in action Right You know like any American Would you know support that Yeah But I'm not I'm not going to (laughs) support You being a member of a hate group
2: I mean I just don't I I just don't like the fact they have to like tie that in With something like that
1: But you know what that symbol is part of their first amendment right Right Because hate symbols just like hate speech are protected Yep. Yeah we learned recently I remember SPJ.
0: just com- something random. Um, I remember going to the mall here in Beaumont um, when I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school, and we were doing, like, an ad sales day for my newspaper. Uh-huh. So we were going around to run up businesses and just kind of saying, hey, you guys want to buy an ad in uh, our paper and stuff? And my our, our staff was pretty diverse. I mean, I out of the... Um, I guess it was about eight of us who went on the little trip. I would say only three of us were white. So, and everybody else was of a different background. Um, and so we walked into the mall, we went to the food court and sat down and there were these guys, um, and they were both wearing like t-shirts with Nazi symbols on them. It's so wild. Um, wow. and, yeah, it was wow. pretty, it was pretty like jarring so we, you were only in high school like four years
1: ago you were in high school
0: yeah I graduated in 2017 that's so crazy to me
2: 2015
0: <laughs> so it was a you know that's just one of those things that it's not like it's not a separate problem like oh that's happening there or that happened in the past it's still happening and you know people still have these ideologies and we need to be aware of that because you know it's a threat to you know our, our community as a whole oh yeah yeah
2: I mean it just it sucks that it still exists today yeah you
1: know it's just it's so frustrating how it can exist in a place like beaumont because i think you would have to purposely avoid people unlike yourself Mm -hmm. to avoid coming in contact with them right and i think that's how you know racism or ignorance in general can exist is through um investors yeah Uh, I want to say it exists through lack of experience. Yeah, totally. Lack of experience, lack of education. Yes. Because all you have to do is to actually meet someone unlike yourself to realize that they are so much more like you than these differences that you conjured. Right. Yeah. And so when you live in a place like Beaumont where we're so diverse, it means that you're purposely avoiding having that interaction. Right. And that's what's frustrating to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about? Well, we, s-
1: we solved racism. <laughs> well, uh, God. <laughs> and yeah. anything uh, a little lighter that anyone saw this week?
2: Um, saw some cats on campus,
1: you know. There is, well, I don't know if we should let Olivia talk about it because I know she's a fan, but there's an Instagram yeah. account. Yeah, there is an Instagram account that I've seen. It's called LU Cats on Campus. The best. And
0: they, they. Uh, I know that you can send in picture. If you yeah. find, if you see a cat on campus and you take a photo of it, uh, you can send it into their their account and they'll post it. Yeah, I did
1: it. Kay did it too, I think. Right. Yeah,
2: while well, I was doing circulation uh, on Thursday, it was yeah. pretty nice. Two black cats on Friday huh, right the
1: fifteenth. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was on a Thursday.
2: Yeah. Oh, so just to send our assistant Tim just. Uh, our intern. Our intern. Our assistant. And assistant. Um, gave me his phone, and apparently, we have a broadcast message that was probably sent in um, all of the LU students' uh, inboxes. Um, the tropical system in the Gulf was upgraded to a tro- to tropical storm Amelda earlier this afternoon. What's and- the
1: name? Amelda. Amelda. Yes. Wow.
2: No. And made landfall southwest of Houston near Freeport. <gasps> LU officials will continue monitoring Imelda as it as it is expected to bring significant amounts of rain to our west throughout Thursday. As a caution, avoid traveling areas with water covering the roadway. Wow. Wait, roadway. Continue to monitor your LU email EDU slash alerts and LU social media for further updates as necessary. So, um, yeah, lots yeah, of water. It's
1: been raining on campus. Pretty all much all day. Uh,
0: I'm reading an article right now in the Houston Chronicle. Um, Galveston ISD um, has canceled classes. Um, wow! It says the Greater Houston area, which could mean anything from
1: Houston all the way to Galveston to um, uh, truthfully all the way to the excuse me all the way to the Louisiana border. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I consider us to be a part
0: of the Greater Houston area. Yeah, in, in some respect.
2: Would you like a lighter note in news?
1: I kind of want to talk about the storm. You do? Yeah. Says, okay. Um, well, we'll
2: save this for next time.
1: No, we can we can wrap it up with something light. Okay. Does cool. that work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this news to me is pretty close to devastating. I feel like because I'm still not emotionally recovered from Harvey. It, right? it's, it's close to home. And there's so. many places around here that are not physically recovered from harvey yet absolutely not. and i feel like Jeez. i just have so much fear
2: my my anxiety hasn't like recovered from harvey right. and i was in I the think, dorms I mean, me too
1: yeah i've been hoarding water since harvey because yeah I mean, I mean yeah i i have i have water at home yeah. i've got mres um yep. whenever i buy cat food i buy two bags at a time because you never know but you like, never know. The
2: like the thing that scares story. me is like like not coming back to the up like just getting I'm being able to come back or like not being able to see everybody again that's like my biggest fear
0: well and you know actually and i didn't realize this when it on the day i realized it saturday that september 13th was actually the 11 year anniversary of hurricane ike which wow. i remember going through that yes yeah, and i can't believe you know october will be the um 14th anniversary of rita i've been through rita ike Harvey. Yeah. All of those. So, Jeez. um. Yeah, cause. You know, it, it's, it's, um, I think like some people say post traumatic storm disorder as kind of a joke, but I think it's actually pretty. Oh, no. I mean, that's I, gotta I, be real. I, I think
2: it's, that's real. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I, I remember feel it right now. Well. I,
0: I mean, yeah, I, re- I remember sitting in the dark after the power had gone out during Hurricane Harvey, and, um, I was lucky enough, I didn't get any water in my house, but even some, some houses, like, literally on the same street as mine ended up flooding and I remember um, sitting in the dark there there was a window open because of course the power was out so Mm -hmm. it was hot and my mom was in there she was asleep and um, I just remember listening to all the wind and the rain outside and being like terrified because they had no idea what was going on like you have no idea what you're going to walk out to in the morning yeah and there's nowhere to go Yeah, right. and you're kind of trapped once the storm's here yeah and then, you know, of course, we had we didn't have water for like two weeks, so uh, that was also
1: not fun. The the being without water was pretty much the traumatic part for me. Once the storm was over, and then you're trying to start rebuilding your community, volunteering, helping your friends clear out their houses. Yeah. And you go and you work in the sludge all day, and you get home and you can't take a shower. Yeah. yeah. That was the hardest part. It's hot. Yeah. It's steamy. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're helping your friends carry out their moldy furniture. You're ripping mm-hmm. up carpet. And then it's like, oh, here's a baby wipe. And, you know,
0: <sighs> I mean, the the place just kind of goes into, like, chaos mode a little bit. Like, yeah. the apocalypse happens or something. Yeah. You know, people hoard gas for good reason, you know. I mean, people oh, yeah. hoard gas, they hoard supplies and then you have like you know price gouging where you have to buy like a case of water for fifty dollars yeah and uh it's insane and you know you've been through after you've been through enough of them you're kind of like you know you're used to it but you're not used to it i mean i was you know how to prepare but you're scared every time i was nine when hurricane ike hit and we were at home for that and um you know we stayed we stayed at home for that and i remember I remember the moment the power cut out, I remember we were, my brother and I were like, just laying on the living room floor, in our sleeping bags, and you know, of course we were kids, so we didn't really understand maybe the severity of it, it was like, there's a scary storm, Um, but you know, my parents were like, everything's gonna be fine, and we got out, you know, we got up in the morning, and we went outside, and there was a, a tree from my neighbor's yard had actually like, split in half, and half of it had like, flown into our front yard, and it was like, Two inches from crashing into our house it took down the gutter and but had it literally gone like a foot more i mean it would have destroyed our house so it's just like those those small things and then or that's not even small but and then hurricane you know rita we uh, my family and i evacuated for that one we went to tennessee because we had some family up there and i remember sitting i remember sitting in traffic for like hours upon hours I mean people and and people complain people were who didn't live in Houston were asking why nobody evacuated for Hurricane Harvey but I remember that several people died during evacuation from Rita because it was so hot and they were just stalled in their cars they ran out of gas it was uh, you know it was that right there is traumatic like I mean just remembering that was traumatic so like I don't blame anyone for not evacuating
2: yeah, I mean, um, unlike you know you guys, I mean I when Ike and Rita were like, happening, I was in, da- in the Dallas area. I mean that's where I lived at, and I just really didn't understand like, the huge impact that it has on someone's life with like a hurricane and stuff like that. So when Harvey happened, I mean I was in the dorms, and I, I got here like a good couple of you know minutes before um or not minutes I'm sorry like a couple of days before Harvey happened didn't yeah, right. and uh cuz
0: move in was like that week wasn't it yeah. yeah
2: and i moved in but you know just i remember i was i was hanging out with my friend my best friend um the night before and i went back to my room to go to sleep and and i woke up to like a sound of like the like a knocking sound like really loud and open the door and all the ras are like telling us to like leave and vac- we're gonna evacuate it at, at um at 10 o'clock to sfa and we get to take a bus and we're gonna go over there and i was like holy crap like this is this is serious
1: did you evacuate with the
2: well um no because what happened was i ended up calling my grandparents and they live like um other than uh, Palestine so that's kind of like near like kind of East Texas kind of thing like that and I ended up um, evacuated with my uh, crappy car which I mm. still have to this day and I think that's why I have a lot of problems right now with my car because of this re- same reason um, I went through probably a good three or four feet of flood water I mean wow. like just through uh, China through uh, China Texas oh, yeah. and uh, I went under I mean I was with I was behind a, um, a big truck and I got to go through that and I uh, it I mean it was dramatic for me to see all this stuff but at the same time like I kind of missed my friends when I left because I felt like I was you know kind of wrong to do that and leave them there but also during the time when the storm was really hitting I mean I was there with uh, Noah our, fr- uh, our photo editor and at the t- um, well he wasn't the photo editor at the time but he is now but um, I remember I was at the Montane Center and I was talking to a bunch of people and I remember the pl- the helicopters landing down from like the, uh, was it the coast guards or whatever it was yeah and they landed and brought people from Port Arthur. And I remember, I even remember it was there when Noah took that photo that won wow. that war and whatnot. And I mean, it was really just really, really traumatic. Really and I kind of got firsthand experience from interviewing like victims from Harvey and stuff like that. I mean, so in a way there was a lot of good that came from Harvey, like me spending more time with my friends and getting to know them and being to sleep in their room. You know, because, you know, we, we it's that camaraderie that we wanted to have together. We wanted to be together. We wanted to make sure everybody was okay when we, we texted each other when, you know, we weren't around or whatnot. And, you know, we always checked, they checked in with their friend, uh, their family in Houston. I mean, stuff like that. And my parents, of course, checked in on me. And, I mean, I'm the one, I was the one that asked my dad if I could come up there because, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what else I was, was going to do. So. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. yeah. That's why, I like, I think that events like that, you know, this community has been through them um, several times, you know, plenty of times before I was even born, so, um, you know, people stick around for a reason, they still live yeah. here for a reason, you know, people wonder why you choose to live in an area that's prone to it, but, you know, it's just like where we live this is our home this is where we go to school so it's you it's you can't just walk away (coughs) from your life like that it's very difficult and I think that this community is really good uh unfortunately in a way at rebuilding after storms like this and you know it really gives you a different perspective on you know other places that go through this like the Bahamas right now or you know Puerto Rico and to see that you know, the help they're not getting right? is kind of, you know, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, if that was happening here, what kind of outrage would it be? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, you know. Um, I have a class at 530.
1: <laughs> okay, let's end up, let's end with the nice, the lighter note.
2: Um, so. And we'll wrap it up. Um, On the sports side, especially Lamar Sports, Um, I don't know if y'all have noticed. I mean, I don't think y'all go to the games, but I have to be at the games anyways because I cover them. But um, (laughs) yeah, so across the way in the student section, there is a group of people and they are called the Peckers. Oh my gosh. And their Instagram name is um, painted underscore Peckers. Wow. what are the Peckers? They are... The Lamar's biggest supporters, yeah, I guess. And um, Mike Schultz, the head coach of the football team, has referenced them several times when uh, we're interviewing the post post game and whatnot. And he's always like, "I love those guys. I mean, I just love them so what much." What are they? What do they do? They paint their they paint their chests and are they students? Yeah, they're students, and uh, um, they just paint their state themselves and they go. You what know, do they paint? They paint their uh, chests to like, say what? Go cards. <laughs> Lamar, L-U, hashtag, whatever.
1: I asked because, you know, podcast isn't a visual
2: medium. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but just imagine, like, a, like, like, red and white letters, like, just big red and white letters, like someone's, like, from, like, someone's, like, chest area all the way down out their stomach, just a big L U. Just imagine U. that. Yeah, and so... And what are they called? The, the Peckers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> This has been the first episode of our podcast.
0: The write up. And we are planning on doing this oh. again next week on Wednesday. Yeah. But it won't be hosted on Wednesday. So
2: Yeah. But hopefully you guys, you know, get another insight on things. You guys
0: want to hear a cheesy joke real quick? Yeah. Go ahead. Why did the chicken go to the seance? I don't know. To get to the other side. Wow. Wow. That's good.
2: Magical. That. We're going to hit All the right. applause Thanks, button. Thanks, guys. Yay.
1: All right. Thank you.